Hey folks, welcome to Legends of Kalidor, Tales from the Wildlands. An actual play Westmarch's campaign using the 5th edition of Dungeons & Dragons set in the homebrewed world of Kalidor. My name is Darren Stotrup, and I'll be your Game Master. Before we begin, I've got a quick announcement. There is a new D&D convention coming to California. Mimiccon 2023. The first annual game convention for the Central Coast. The organizers are working with the city of Santa Maria to host a premier gaming convention, and all proceeds are benefiting a local nonprofit. Attendees can access a huge variety of activities from RPG demos to nerd trivia contests. Learn more at centralcoastdnd.com. That's the letter N, not the ampersand. Centralcoastdnd.com. Now, let's begin. Last time, our adventurers made an unlikely alliance with the goblin known as Ripshank and his cohort. The lair in which Ripshank resides had been forcibly taken by a hobgoblin named Shargoth and his clansmen. Having captured a wizard named Kaelvin Munter, Shargoth forced the mage to transform the previous chieftain into a housecat, using an artifact found in the wilds. After learning that this wizard was the original invitee to the ceremony in the woods, our adventurers determined to rescue him from the goblin lair. In exchange for Ripshank's help, the party promised to help rid the lair of the hobgoblin presence in due time. We now join our adventurers back at the goblin's treetop hideout, having just escaped with the rescued mage. So you all wound up at about 9.30 at night, returning back to the tree, where uh, Ripshank had shown you a bunch of goblins will sometimes go to when they're trying to get away from daily problems of goblin life. And uh, so it's 9.30 at night there. It is currently the 30th. So the event is on the 2nd. So tonight you guys are going to be camping out in this tree, as far as uh, I understand. Is that correct? Yes. We had intended to rest up and then strike out with our new wizard friend to, to get to his meeting that he was pretty excited about. Excellent. You guys going to head straight to bed? What's going on? You all clambered back up into that tree. I'm happy to take first watch or last watch, whatever people need. So so how many hours are you guys intending to sleep? I like to get up a little before dawn myself. Is there a particular time on the invitation, Elias? I will defer to Darren. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, according to the invitation, it said by the waning light of Lyra's moon on the second. So in the morning, it will be the first. So we have the night and a day to get there. Okay. Correct, yeah. Okay. I'd say we can wake up around dawn then, unless someone okay. feels otherwise. I would like a full eight hours of sleep myself. Okay. So the goal is, I mean, you're in no big rush at this moment, it seems like. So as long as you can get your full eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. So the next question that I have for you then is, you're all sleeping in a very fairly precarious situation you know you're kind of trying to figure out how to sleep across these uh these branches Ripshank's got no problem with it rudiger it's a little bit easier he's he's a bit broad for some of these branches but he's about the right height for the way that they've chiseled out some of these spots but for the rest of you this is really awkward to try and sleep up here oh i would like to ask uh either Dutura or Ansem, if they would uh, be willing to assist in tying some rope up to use my uh, bedding as a hammock. Be happy to do so. Okay, so you're gonna, you got some ropes, so you're gonna maybe try and maybe wrap these around some branches so you have somewhat of a platform, put some bedding down on top of that? Yeah, mostly I, I think uh, with Ansem and Dutura, they're trying to help Elias figure out how to be comfortable. I don't think... I- Detour herself isn't all that worried about being comfortable. She's very comfortable around trees and plants growing up. Um, I'm worried about falling. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, worried about falling. (laughs) And I think as someone who has had to sit up at nights guarding uh, places, Detour isn't too bothered about being comfortable to sleep as long as she feels secure. That seems sensible. Mm -hmm. Let me have, uh, Elias, let me have you roll survival with advantage for the help. And I don't know if Detour... As a freebie, uh, if she wants to help guidance you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> As I'm, you know, helping tie some things, um, Detour will reassure Elias, like, you'll be safe, Just, you know, and, and kind of touch her shoulder and forgot what I said before. Something about the moon. <laughs> May the moon watch over you. Well, that was a natural 20. 
<laughs> oh, there you go. Okay, natural 20 sounds good to me. You know, you're tying this rope all together. You're weaving your bedding through it, you know, making this nice, comfortable sort of a sleeping thing. That also feels pretty sturdy. You, it's wide enough that if you roll around a little bit, you feel pretty comfortable that you're not going to fall off into the night. Uh, Rodiger, what is your plan? Oh, make a hole with an axe. A hand axe, like... Chiseling <laughs> uh, away some more of this? Yeah. Okay. Put some holes in the trunk and... He wants to stretch out. Yeah. Okay, let me have you roll survival as well. Okay, let's see. How well you can chisel a, a wider bed area for you. Anson would help, but he's just kind of confused as to what he's trying to do, so he's sort of waiting to see. <laughs> the the multi-purpose mall. <laughs> as you guys are doing this, here's wham, 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 and the whole like tree is shaking and shaking. Branches are falling. And Rip Shank looks. You know, you look over. He's like, ah, ah, he's like holding on in dear life, and he's just shaking around on this branch. Crawling <laughs> <laughs> back up. At, at some point, Luna kind of like goes up into the air and just like waiting for all this nonsense to end and then comes back, lands on it. <laughs> but you look over and Rodiger is, uh, he's looking at his handiwork and he's, yeah, that looks mm-hmm. good. <laughs> Pulls a blanket over. <laughs> yeah. All right. Before drink a little bit and sleep. Nice. Nightcap. Ansem, is, he's definitely going to take, after that noise, he's definitely going to take the first watch and try to be aware if anything heard that and is like investigating. <laughs> all right. You've got a keen eye out here. You know, you're, you're catching... Everything going around, you see some coyote kind of go through as you hear some howling at a point. You know, you see them kind of like link along, but, you know, they're not causing any trouble. So you just let them pass through. And, uh, but otherwise, it seems pretty calm in here in this part of the, the forest. Good, good. I'm just going to kind of speed through the, the night sequence here, but I'm going to have Kaelvin. He's he's probably having a hard time sleeping. So I'm going to mm. roll for him. He was sleeping in a dungeon this whole time, but he's not had to sleep on a branch, so. Oh, I should. I mean, that would have Anson would have like given him his his bedroll and whatever he was going to use. Okay, if sure. That's, if that's okay, just to you know, like be like, hey, I'll, I'll be I'll be fine. He, you know, he gets up at some point during your shift. You know, he's trying to sleep, and you're noticing he's not sleeping particularly well. Mm-hmm. So you give him some of that, and that kind of helps him out a little bit. Rodiger, let me have you roll a Dex save <laughs> with advantage. And just while he's doing that, as a note, before Anson goes to bed, he's going to cast his Goodberry spell twice again to get rations for tomorrow. Very good. So at one point in the night, Radiger, you, you start like rolling over a little bit and then you realize where you are and you whoop, catch yourself at the last minute, hold on to the branch. Nobody else is paying attention. Whoever shifted is, they're kind of looking off into the forest. So you, okay, yeah, my mall did a good job, I swear. And then you kind of curl back down and that's <laughs> fine. And then, Elias, let me have you roll perception. Six. Okay. I need to roll something. All right. Fair enough. Galen's pretty exhausted in the morning. Uh, he's just kind of worn out. Um, he hasn't, you know, he did not sleep very well. So in the morning, you kind of get up and you see him already. just kind of sitting on the branch as you guys are getting up and about. And uh, who would be up first then, I suppose? Probably wouldn't be Ansem, would it? I think, I mean, I think he's 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 a pretty well-oiled machine from okay. his military time. So he takes first watch and he's going to get up after his... After his six hours know. of sleep. Exa- basically. No, le- leaning into something about elven heritage of, of being very like meditative and uh, kind of in, in mental discipline connection with your body. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. In the morning, Rodiger, you get up and you're pretty happy with the way that you slept. Same with Tatura. You, you both slept really well. Um, Elias, uh, you can tell me how well you slept uh, throughout the night with your makeshift bedding. Well, the uh, hammock uh, was much better than sleeping on the branch, but um, still had some bumps and whatnot. Basically, uh, a little discontent, uh, a little sore, but overall decent. Okay. Mm -hmm. You also wake up and your ear, and you can choose which one, just feels a little funny. And it's uh, every now and then as the morning's going along, as you you guys are get up and about, one of those ears just feels a little bit itchy, um, but you're having a hard time hearing out of it. Um, is I'm going to ask him to take a look inside to see if there's something in there. I'll check. <laughs> I had some looks at Tatura. <laughs> <laughs> She's not really bothered by animals or plants or whatever, and that's all we've been around. So Tatura will we'll take a look. What, what kind Let's of- get some investigation. All right. <laughs> not great. Yeah, you're looking in there. You're not seeing anything. You... You start taking Elias' ear and you're pulling it back and you're kind of looking and the point that Elias is like, oh, oh, you know, you're really pulling at this and trying to look in there, but you're not really seeing anything with that, uh, that six. I also got to take a look. Okay. All right, we got a nine. Okay. 
About the same. Like, hold on, let, let me see you over here. And you grab hold of it, start pulling at Elias as you're getting, stop, stop! Not, uh, not really making much progress, you're mostly just making this ear that was kind of itchy and hard to hear out of, just kind of now it's sore. Ansem will just ask Elias, what exactly is the problem, other than your ear being nearly ripped off? Yeah, she points to her the uh, red, uh, slightly inflamed ear from all of the tugging. Says, uh, I can't seem to hear anything out of it. I think something's inside. Can you feel something moving? Do I? There, like, occasionally, with all that kind of tugging a little bit, you felt something, like a little bit of a tickle, kind of an itch. Like when mm. they're yanking at it, when they're not moving around with it so much, and we don't move your head so much, you don't really feel much of anything. But every now and then, they'll... yeah, I think there might be something in there. Mm. And some will be a little concerned about that, knowing that there can be some particularly nasty things out there. So he's going to ask Ripshank if he knows of anything that might have, you know, caused this ailment. Oh, hearing an ear? Yes, she she can't hear, and she thinks something might be inside there. She says she feels movement. And, and I'll, ask, I'll just ask him if he knows of any, you know, try to suggest, like, is, is there some kind of a sort of bugs, insects that might have done this? Yeah, he's going to roll nature and see what his knowledge is on this. Uh, they, these are their huts, so... Very nicely done, Ripshank. So, Ripshank, he's kind of thinking for a minute. He goes, no hearing in ear is is itch, scratchy. He's asking if it itches. Yes. He's like motioning, like, ah, scratch, scratch, scratch. Little beetle, it, it crawled inside ear. I'm going to ask him if, one, if it's dangerous, and two, is there any way to get him out? Can be dangerous. Little beetle, if, if left inside ear, ear can go permanently deaf. If, if only shortly... He's okay, but left permanent uh, for some days, yes, always deaf. I'm going to not relate. I'm going to filter that permanent deaf thing out and try to buffer that information. I'll just ask him, like, yeah, he, he thinks we should get it out. <laughs> uh, and do you know of any any ways to, to get the beetle out? Is there some some remedy that your folk have used before? Beetle likes sound. Sound. Eat. Eat sound. Must be attracted to better sound. When beetle crawl in ear is is able to hear lots and, uh. and eat lots, but beetle poop lots is make deaf. Would Detora know anything about perhaps anything like this? Yeah, as a as a druid, you can go ahead and roll Arcana. Okay, Arcana, this magic beetle. <laughs> I don't know that that's something I'm good at, but <laughs> boy. That's an 18, okay. Yes, so Ansem is translating to you back and forth between Ripshank. You start understanding, oh, they're talking about a hush beetle. And a hush beetle, from your understanding, is it's this little beetle that, yeah, it's got, it's, it's this magic little beetle that it will eat sound and it defecates no sound or a lack thereof. And so if you get one of these in your ear, you don't hear anything for a while, but then, of course, if you get too much of this, then it can become a permanent effect into your ear after a few days of this. Um, and some people, you know, if it's a really loud area and they're trying to sleep, they will intentionally put these in their ears or any sort of reasons like that. Uh, usually in those sort of situations, they've either put a little bit of a string onto the thing or they mm-hmm. have found ways of, like, figuring out a noise that the beetle is more attracted to uh, to be able to coax it out. But I, I, won't, I wouldn't happen to know what sort of sound to make to try to get it. I mean, while, while she's thinking on it too, I'm, I'm in, uh, asking Ripshank the same, you know, mm-hmm. what what can we do to get it out? Yeah. Should we make like loud noise or soft noise? You know, I'm tr- I'm trying to kind of... Uh-huh. Well, I will let uh, Datura with her 18 Arcana check. What is it that usually helps to coax these things out? Yeah, definitely know this answer. Um, <laughs> I guess as she's hearing this and, and relating back to the group, oh, you know, I've I have heard of these, and they they tend to like uh, clicking sounds, similar to you know said eating sound or you know chewing sound. Um, so you know you can take she'll go over and and try to take like a couple pieces of like branches so that you can she can like tap them together outside of Elias's ear and see if she can kind of. I can do a lot of noises, <laughs> drinking like. Hmm. Yeah, anybody, anybody, is anyone particularly, we're missing our uh, key performer, but if anybody else feels good in their uh, musical ability, you want to take this on? I mean, this is more of a rhythmic thing, so (laughs) Ansem is very good with his, with his dexterous fingers, so he can, he can go start trying to tap out like a, an advanced rhythm of sorts that's, you know, 
something that feels natural for him for how he plucks a bowstring and is just like playing the spoons, you know, kind of. Like. <laughs> oh, of course. I will add that um, not just any uh, tapping is going to work for this. Um, this is a. It likes to eat magical sound, so it needs to be something that um, is magical in order to, to make it attractive. I would like to uh, cast Prestidigitation to make a uh, clicking kind of noise outside of the ear to uh, draw it out. Excellent. Uh, let me have you roll performance. Performance? Uh-huh. <laughs> but based on what you just heard uh, Ansem, you know, tap out, you've got a, a good I mean, example. I- <laughs> I thought that's where we were going. He would have stopped as soon as he you said, it's magical. He'd be kind of disappointed. But he was excited about his little sticks. Tatar was just trying to get you give you an example. <laughs> yeah, Ansem's over here. Elias has like, he's like, here, here bring, it, bring your head over here. And Elias kind of puts it down on the on the branch. And <laughs> Ansem starts like beating out this little tat, 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 you know? And, uh, and Tatar's like, hold on. She waits for a bit. Yeah. As good as that performance is. And it gives you a little bit more clarity. And so Elias, now knowing that it needs to be some sort of magical sound, starts doing like this, you know, that same sort of clickety sound using prestidigitation. And then let's see how well it likes that. Okay. So you start feeling it try move. You feel like it starts like crawling out. And you guys can all kind of see for a moment there, this little, like these little black legs come out and there's like this swirling kind of bluish iridescent kind of swirling bluish front of this beetle, and it kind of sees you guys just crawls back in. I'm going to step away from the group a little bit, maybe walk around behind the tree, and try again. Okay. Another performance roll? Yeah. I will also attempt to help properly using Druidcraft, and I can do it 30 feet away to make a small sound like a small animal or something, so I'm going to try to imitate something else um, that might click or tap. I would like to just observe. I have yet to roll over a five <laughs> or higher on this entire beetle incident. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not looking great. The beetle does not seem like it wants to come out. Um, Detour, if you want to make your performance as well, and uh, fifteen. Okay, that's pretty good. And let me roll for the beetle. Okay, so now that you've kind of stepped away a little bit you've kind of scooted down the branch i'm not sure is that what you've done or you've climbed down i don't know what you're what you're doing to get away from everybody here elias we were on the ground so i just walked behind the tree okay so you you kind of slide down the tree and detura comes with you and you step around and detura starts making her noise uh towards it and you see the beetle kind of crawl and it's just sitting kind of there on the the outside of your ear and you see its legs kind of moving like this towards the sound that Detour is making. <laughs> Once it gets far enough down that I am confident it can't crawl back in, I'd like to come over and just flick it off. Alright. So and it goes flying somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and you just land somewhere. You successfully rid yourself of the hush beetle. Yeah. <laughs> Creepy, but useful. Yep. If I wasn't so concerned of getting it out of the ear, I'd almost like to bobble it. But... Oh, well. Oh, well. You might run across another one. You recall where this came from, don't you? Was that from my sack? Ah! <laughs> yeah, as you, you flick it off and you hear it, like, bounce around, and you start thinking about it, you're like, wait, what did it look like? Oh, yeah, it had the iridescence to it. Oh, man! <laughs> this, is, this is something you had on you. Yeah. Because I should have uh, removed that from my character sheet. <laughs> yep. No more iridescent beetle. <laughs> uh, do you have any other pets on you that we don't know about? That might crawl in our ears, perhaps. <laughs> Glad this isn't something that we need to worry about uh, more regularly, hopefully. Ansem will still <laughs> he'll, he'll turn to Elias and, and wait for the answer. I uh, did not think that this, even this was something we needed to concern ourselves with. Hmm. Fair enough. Perhaps Datura can examine anything that you think might qualify now that you're more familiar with the, the flora and fauna. And I'll, 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 I'll make the suggestion and leave them to it, and then Anson will go up to uh, Kilvin and kind of start trying to figure out the direction they need to go and tell them what he, you know, start that conversation about where are we going, how do we get there. Okay. Kilvin, he's stretching. He's just like, yeah, we need to continue further north. I didn't get to get all the way to where I was trying to go for the invitation before the goblins got me. So it's at this point, your guess is as good as mine, but it is further north. I know that we are in a forest now, 
So I do not know how much further we need to go. I, I would think that it would have to be more dense of a forest than uh, than this is more uh, a wooded area. It needs to be more densely. Mm. I, I would assume these are wood elves, so I would imagine that they would want it to be a bit more uh, secluded. Mm. I can't remember the, his name, but does the wizard fellow know precisely where we need to be? Based on what he just told me, it sounds like he has a more general knowledge, at least relative to where we are. You found me in a bit of a predicament where I, I'm i having to work from memory. I used to have a map at one point, but I do not have one now, so I do not know uh, quite where I am in these, uh, in these divides. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you want to handle this, Darren, but... Ansem's been trying to, to, to track this and have some sort of rudimentary way to orient around this area. Yeah. Um, and that, that's something he's been tapping into with his background uh, as sort of a, a military scout. So um, I don't know if he's got something prepared here, but... What you probably do is you probably have a map at the lodge that you keep updated. And I think you have one that you keep on you that you are jotting down as you actually go and explore. Mm-hmm. And then when you come back, you update one, you know, and vice versa. You, know, you always make sure that they're they're updated. Gotcha. So you have your own personal map. That would be my assumption. It's maybe a bit rougher, kind of more, you know, pencil, and then you go back, jot it down, and pen it in when you have time. More, more fine cartography lines with my... I think I might have those tools. <laughs> uh, I might have that tool set at the lodge so that I can do, like, the finer thing. But um, I, I, I would take that out and start trying to orient with Kilvin and, and say, well, you know, this is we, we've come here from the north. We we came this way, and I'll try to describe where we are in relationship to some of the more major geographic features to help him understand like where we've been and see if any of that kind of keys off of where he can be like, oh, okay, try to reduce the uncertainty of where he could be. He's been in a cave for X amount of weeks or whatever. Right. So I'm going to pull up your map that you guys have been working on. So he looks at this and he's like, Ah, so you, you have also been to the Temple of the Moon. <laughs> I'll say yes. <laughs> we ran into a lot of spiders. If you have run into the spiders, then you have done it wrong, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's a right way. We'll have, to, we'll have to discuss that further, I think. I don't know if you saw my handiwork, but I had already done one of the sigils there. We, we saw some, uh, some markings and some, some things on the top of the, the structure, but I don't think we were able to make heads or tails of it before the spiders came. You took too long in making too many wrong decisions. <laughs> but if you know how to do it, you can get in there and do it before they come. Ooh. Natura is very interested in uh, understanding oh, yeah. what's in the at the temple. She'll, you know, be torn between that and asking questions about what he knows about the wood elves that we're going to go see. Um, okay. So when you're asking him, is you know, or how did you, you know, how did you solve the one? So he kind of just like smiling and, you know, hmm. he's like... A visit does not give away all of his secrets, my dear. Mm. I would be very keen to see what you would do in, in the situation with the Temple of Zamora. I, I, I know what I know. As for the ceremony that we are going to now, and he, he pauses and he thinks, ceremony, um, yeah, that might be a better term than festival. More ceremony. A sacred celebration. This is, and this is as you guys are walking, you're, you're continuing north this, this time? Okay. So as you're as you're walking along north, uh, you know it's been like an hour or whatever. He's having this conversation with you guys, and he explains a little bit about this festival. And he's saying it is this festival that happens very rarely, only every twenty-three years. And the Aladrin have this, uh, and he's like looking for the word uh, agreements with the Wood Elves that uh, their Lady of Favor, uh, Envin, would bestow upon them opportunity. To, uh, to to bring supplication to her, so she would uh, she would bless them if uh, if she sees fit. It is it is difficult to explain, but uh, someone and sometimes more than one a person may get their uh, wish fulfilled. Uh, whatever it is that has been important to them, something that has been very meaningful to them, uh, and and not something you you just take uh, lightly. It is something that you that is important. And, uh, and if you, you bring this to her in, in good faith, uh, there's a chance that she may uh, allow for it. Um, but it is, a, it is an unusual ceremony. Perhaps she'll see. What, what was that lady of favor? Was Enwin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's Enwin. Enwin. That's right. So do we get the sense that he's got, based on my, our, my map, our description, that he's got a better idea of where we can look for this then? Yeah. I do not know how much further north. I, I think it's... A few more hours this way. It's probably about somewhere around 10 miles or so. 
but it should be up somewhere in this northern direction. It, it may be a few miles to the west or the east a bit. It is hard to tell, but it is uh, further north for sure. Are there any specific landmarks we could look for to help us understand where in this wooded area we should be looking? The thing about this is the celebration is never in the same place twice. It is always in a different location. So as far as my understanding was from my contact who's invited me, it is roughly in this direction. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Well, we'll start heading that direction. And uh, I guess as we travel, or or even based on what I'm recalling, I'm I'm trying to remember where we were elevation-wise, if there's some sort of a, a high point I could try to get to to try to see what's ahead of us, because if we're in a wooded area... I'm trying to imagine the landscape and what kind of a view we have and see if there's an opportunity to um, yeah, navigate forward with more specific knowledge. Okay, so about three hours in, you come to a space with a little bit of a clearing to it, and the trees kind of widen out a little bit, and there's some, you know, you're thinking, well, maybe if I climb up onto a tree, but otherwise it's all, it's a few miles further north, you see that it, the trees start getting more dense. I mean, if we're, if we're seeing that, I'm, no issues. I wasn't sure if we were looking for like a separate forest itself or if it's just more of, more of this, just denser. It sounds like it's, it's a continuation of this forest to a degree. Yeah. Let me have you roll um, a perception check, too, as you're in sort of this clearing. Mm-hmm. That is a 19. 19. Okay. So when you come into this clearing and you're looking around, you know, at first you're trying to see if there's any a good tree that you might be able to climb up into if you wanted to get like a further cast out and about. Um, and this is just before you see that there's the, uh, the the denser forest just further down. Underneath the, the trees, you see a sword lying on the ground. And it looks like it's a really nice sword. It's a, a long sword and a mm. boot lying next to it. Okay. How far away is this from us? Uh, this is probably, you're in this clearing now, it's probably only about 40 or 60 feet further up. Okay. A boot, not a pair of boots, correct? There's a boot, and are you are you getting closer, or are you, like, are you just standing there? Or, sorry, Ansem? Again, and generally, I, I, I think of myself as being at the front trying to navigate a bit and keep eyes out, so I'm going to head off that direction. I'm just going to, I see something over here and indicate that and approach with, I'm not going to just run up to it, but... Right. I'll ask Ansem, Detour will ask, um, would you like me to send Luna to get a look? I, I'll always welcome her oversights. So I'll ask her to kind of go up and swoop around a little bit. Get eyes in the sky for us. It's only about like 60 or so feet away. Okay, then I can talk to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to head that direction. I'm thinking more Luna is going to be... Sentry in the air. Yeah, exactly. Just a different perspective. See if there's... If she's picking up on anything that I'm not, basically, so... But otherwise, yeah. head towards that. I mean, it, it seems out of place. And uh, the last time we found an out of place thing, a bunch of goblins jumped out of the bushes. So <laughs> I'll look forward. And I'm just, I'm still eyes on a swivel looking for something to explain this. And if I can't find an explanation. <laughs> Luna goes up in the air. Right, you, you know, she's flying the sentry. She's not really seeing anything up here. You start walking a little bit closer. And you see the sword on the ground, the boot next to it, and another boot in like a hole inside the tree. You know, a fairly, fairly decent sized hole. And just like, it's, you know, like a hollow, you know, how trees will have that. Right. And there's like the boot is like dangling out of it. So like just the, you know, the sole is sticking out and the rest of the boot is like Mm -hmm. inside the hole. And Luna's going around, just kind of checking out Mm -hmm. the area. So there's a boot on the ground and a boot that's somehow managed to find itself inside a hole in a tree. Yeah. As you're looking around, you can glance over and you see off to uh, your right. There is, it looks like there's a bit of a cave. Cave to the right, sword, tree, boot. Yeah. And and then when I look to the cave, am I seeing tracks of any kind around here? Or there, it doesn't look particularly distressed. You are not seeing any tracks. No. Everybody's there. Are we all looking at the sword now? I'm just gonna. I, I'm I'm gonna kind of hold hold my hand up so we don't get close to it. I'm gonna say this is a peculiarity, and I'm not sure I understand it. So let's proceed with caution. And to say, can can Luna go see if there's anything about that cave? I will have Luna to come down and um, go take a first, you know, kind of by the cave and see if she can see anything at the edge. Um, she does have dark vision, so if, if she feels like it's safe to dip in quickly and back out, but only if she doesn't sense any movement. Okay. Yeah. So she goes flying by the, the mouth of it, just gets a, a quick glance, right? 
and then just checking to see if there's any movement or like how is she moving around here? What's going on? Because you said this is in the middle of a clearing. Yeah, kind of. A, I mean, it's not like a, a big clearing. It's just like that. It's not as dense of a forest here. It's more just woodlands. So I'll um, I'll have her maybe land on the tree that was nearby where the boots and the sword are, um, and look for a moment to see if there's any motion, um, and so that we can make sure that we're within distance in case anything bad happens. Um, okay. But if there's movement, then I will um, have her. And how big is this cave? The cave itself is not very large. The entrance to it is pretty big. You look from a glance, it might look like maybe it was a bear cave or something. It doesn't look like it's uh, anything more than that from just an assumption. Does she see any movement? Let me have her roll perception. Now, when you say that she's so she's landing on a branch on that tree where the, the boot is and looking over there, what, is that what you're saying? Yeah, because that was close, right? Yeah, the tree is, is there, close to you guys. The cave is further away from that tree, for sure. If there's any tr- any trees that are near. Yeah, yeah, so she goes lands on one of those things. Would like to pick up a stick to poke the boot to see if they'll fall out of the hole. Okay. Uh, Datura, Luna goes flying over <laughs> to a tree, is looking in there. Let me have uh, Luna roll perception. Uh, and while that's going on, Elias is walking up to the tree, and you pick up one of these sticks lying on the ground, and you walk over, and you're, like, you're going to poke the boot? Yeah. Okay. The boot that's on the ground or the boot that's in the tree? The boot that's in the tree, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to look this warp. I am interested in this warp that it's there. You say that it's nice and I'm like a... The sword. He's... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the sword. Yeah, it's a nice looking sword. You know, it's a long sword. It's got like... I mean, at this point, I'm assuming you guys have gotten pretty close to this whole thing, right? So you're able to see what's going on. She's poking it with a stick. The sword, it's this, the sword and the scabbard. So the sword is like halfway out of the actual scabbard. The scabbard has this, ooh, is that a natural 20? Holy smokes. Yes, it was a natural 20. That was the, na- the natural 20 was for Luna's perception. Very good. So the scabbard is this nice foresty kind of a green that is good looking stuff right yeah it's a, it's a pretty nice looking sword it's uh it's nothing extremely elegant but it's a uh, it's nice you can wow somebody it's not a commoner's weapon <laughs> oh that's a nice sword yeah you know Rodiger, you're looking at that and you're hmm. same with uh ansem walking up like, that is a pretty nice looking sword i'm not ansem's just gonna be ready like he doesn't want anybody to touch it he's sort of watching him poke the boot but he's like mm-hmm. don't want to pick this thing up yet <laughs> yeah so, Elias, you go and you, you poke the boot, and the boot falls down out of the tree. Okay. Well, uh, did we see anything in the hole? I don't know. Did you? Well, the boot's no longer in the hole. Is there anything in the where it was? It's a pretty dark hole. If you want to roll perception, if you want to get up and take a look, you can see if there's anything in the hole. Uh, with dark vision, I don't think the dark hole will make a difference, will it? Uh, you'll see it as if it's dim. You know, so instead of being pitch black, it's just kind of dim in there. Okay. And that is a total of a 21. So you walk up to it, and you're looking in there, and you see a little bit of movement inside it. It's the same color as, like, the inside of the the tree. And you see it kind of, like, move, and you hear, like, a... And then I need a deck save. I've not been rolling very well today, and so I suspect something bad is about to happen. Well, you're making a deck save. (laughs) These things happen. Rarely is that a good thing. I am close to there to when I'm looking this war. So you're, yeah, you're right next to the sword, right? Deck save. All right. Eight. That is not a very good deck save, my friend. So you come looking into this thing. You, you knock the boot over and you start peering in and you see this little movement in here. And then all of a sudden, this thing comes leaping out at you, like just directly towards your face. And it's so fast. All you see is just like beak and outstretched limbs of some sort. You all see whoever's around, Rodiger, you see this thing come leap out and then like latches onto her face. You know, life starts like screaming and it, it looks like a snake with tentacles or something that wrap around Holy its head. Snaking. Holy crap. I'm going to say that you staggered back a little bit. Uh, and there's this, this beast is latched onto Elias. You take seven points of damage from this thing. Okay. If you guys want to roll your initiative. I believe it is Ansem's turn, yes? How how big is this thing that is attacking? It is medium sized, so it is pretty much like dangling from her face. It is trailing down basically to her feet. And it's, okay. it's in the air. It's not like on the ground, so its tail is just off of the ground. Right. Gotta go big. Okay, so I think Ansem is going to step to the side here to get a slightly better angle. And then he's going to take a sharpshooter shot at the 
condescending Grick. <laughs> is it like insulting her as it does it? Yep. Condescending. You're you're hearing like a, <laughs> and so maybe in Grick that's a uh... really rude. Ugh. Oh, that's a seven. Yeah, a seven is gonna miss. You fire at this thing; it just goes way off into the trees. I'm gonna curse, and then, yep, that that'll do it. Elias, this thing just leapt out from this hole in the wall. It's bit you on your face. You've taken a lot of damage here on this thing, and it's you're shaking your head about it. this thing. Is, you're screaming; it's a muffled scream. Hey, I am gonna cast sanctuary on myself. Okay. Sanctuary, how does this work? Basically, you have to make a wisdom save in order to attack me. Nice. So you ward a creature within range against an attack until the spell ends. Any creature who attacks the warded creature with an attack or harmful spell must first make a wisdom saving throw. On a failed save, the creature must choose a new target or lose the attack or spell. Okay. Spell does not protect the warded creature from area effects. Nice. Can I move as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, this thing has you on the face, but you are able to move around for sure. It's going to follow you because <laughs> it's attached to you. Not anticipating that he would walk back towards us. <laughs> <laughs> Remind me that, that you are warded when these things attack you. Okay. All right, Datura. Uh, muffled screaming staggers back, the snake's still on her. You, know, you hear her mumble something in some sort of magical language, does some hand movements that first look like <laughs> waving her hands about, and then she kind of gets it under control. And you see like this glow around her for a second. Okay. Um, so Detour was uh, focused on Luna at first because Luna was supposed to be looking into the cave. So as sort of a bonus action, can she yes. check to make sure Luna doesn't did roll a natural 20? So there's nothing dangerous. Luna's not com- communicating any danger from the cave. She looks in there and she sees what looks like could be a, a mound, but nothing is moving. Okay, I have a short bow. I'd like to take a step, a, a couple steps back. Um, actually, you know what? If she's she's in melee now, right? The thing is, the creature with her in melee, or is it? Which weapon should I use, Darren? Is the question. So this creature is technically sharing a space with Elias. So if you are next to Elias and Elias is in range, then the creature is within range. Yes. All right. Then I will um, pull out my scimitar and try to slash at it. Okay, that seems fair. Don't hurt Elias. I will try not to. <laughs> okay. That is him. So you come swinging at this thing, and it, comes, it misses, and it goes right next to her, uh, swinging a miss. Sorry. And I will <laughs> end my turn. All right. So it is the Grix's turn. Grix's got a pretty good latch on you, and that is going to be an attack. So wisdom, wisdom save, yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you. Wisdom save. And wisdom save is going to be... Don't be a wise monster. <laughs> oh, gosh, that is a natural 20. Oh! Okay, so that was a 13. Does that hit you? 13 does not hit me. Okay. <laughs> it's like at full extent, as you ran back, it goes to full extent of its tentacles, and it like tries to leap forward, and you feel like something, <laughs> like, clack down. You can feel something move on your cheek, but you don't actually get hurt by anything. That is going to be Grick's turn. Uh, Rodiger, what are you doing? Uh, it's like a surprise attack or something that I can do for the creature to go past me and be like, I am behind the creature. Oh, opportunity attack? Something like that. Yes, yes, you did get one. So you get to attack twice on this turn because it should have already happened earlier. Nice. So an, an opportunity attack is uh, an attack that you get to make not on your turn. It's on someone else's turn and they move away from it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll give you two attacks on this. Uh, call. get that. Okay. Opportunity attack first. And then in, in terms of... So this is kind of mean. I could theoretically just keep taking five-foot <laughs> steps and have it move to give two people opportunity attacks. Oh. Uh, <laughs> if, if I may, yeah. as your assistant GM, <laughs> opportunity attacks can't be done when there's forced movement. I think what I was interpreting that as was that initial movement to, like, grapple Elias basically would have provoked an opportunity attack. That one for sure, yeah. But I think forced movement does not provoke attacks of opportunity. So now that Elias is moving it... I'm not forcing it to move, it's using the come with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Darren decide that one. <laughs> it is making a choice to stay on you, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I would say let's go with yes, you can do that for now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, baby. Woo! Big 18. Nice. Ka-ching! Ka-ching! 
Okay, so you come bringing this mole down, wham, and you smack down on this thing, boom, and it hits this thing, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna do this, and it hits it, and it, it also kind of slides off a little bit. And Ooh. you notice, like, you brought some force down on this thing, but it doesn't seem like it was uh, injured the way it should be, okay. you know, with the amount of force that you applied to this thing. Mm -hmm. But it didn't like it, now it's writhing a lot more, and you hear it's like mm -hmm. more of that rattling signal. <laughs> sound inside there. That was your opportunity attack. Now you can do your real turn. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I can catch the sword that is in the floor and attack with the sword. The sword? Yeah, that it's in the, in the ground. Yeah, if you drop your maul, you can grab the sword. Okay. Does he get an attack still? Yes. Yeah. Okay. We're going to count that as part of your free movement or free okay, action. Do that then. All right. Do it. Do it. Oh, nice. You've dropped the maul, so you can choose to bring it with two hands if you want. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's there so that you could use a shield with it if you really wanted to, and that weapon is just one weapon, but you can wield it two different ways. So I roll five. So you bring the sword across it, and it hits and it hits these scales, and you see it kind of, and it cuts it, but again, it's not doing as much damage as you're hoping it would do. And there's a slight cut, but not like a gash like you're hoping for. No. If you want to end your turn, or if you've still got anything else you want to do. Uh, no, I'm done. You should maybe move five feet closer to me or something, Rodiger. Yeah, yeah, when you drop them all and pick up the sword, you can move forward. There you go. Yep. Mm -hmm. Excellent. It is Anson's turn. All right. I'm going to back up a step and then take another sharpshooter shot. Okay. Come on. Coming up with a four. Four. Ugh. Goodness gracious. That sharpshooter normally does much better. Yeah, I know. It usually is fine. <sighs> yeah. So you... Jump back, you pull out your bow, you go firing. As the snake whips around, it flies right where the snake was, goes and then goes into the darkness in the uh, the cave. That's that. Elias? One of these conditions for the spell ending is deals damage to another creature. So if I cast an armor spell that basically gives me like frost armor that does frost-based damage. Yeah, is that Agathys? Yeah. That's a good one. What is the damage that that thing inflicts? Something that would be considered damage for ending the spell? Or because it's not damage that I'm actively inflicting on someone, not something that would be applicable here? Okay, so a protective magical force surrounds you, manifesting as a spectral frost. So you get covered in frost, covers you and everything you have. You gain five temporary hit points. And this is for an hour, so plenty of time. If a creature hits you with a melee attack while you have these hit points, the creature takes five cold damage. Anytime that this creature attacks you and hits, it's going to take five points of damage. It will deal its damage to you as well, but it will also get hurt. The Sanctuary, if the warded creature makes an attack, you are not making an attack. Wait. Whoop. Cast a spell that affects an enemy. That does. Here's how I'm going to rule this is you can cast this, Sanctuary will not go away unless the creature hits. If the creature hits, then it is being affected by your spell. Until that happens, it's not being affected by the spell. So Sanctuary will continue to cause the need for a wisdom save until it succeeds the wisdom check, actually hits, the armor does its damage, and then Sanctuary would end. Yes. Okay. And you'll have five extra health points. Yes, and I think that that's needed. Can so. I make a, can I make a suggestion while we're still in learning mechanics mode, Darren, or would you like me to keep my mouth shut? Okay, Jeremy, uh, you can also take the dodge action, which will impose disadvantage if he happens to pass that wisdom check. If you're worried about it, okay. you. I will instead take that action instead of casting the armor. Okay. Sounds good. You're dodging it. It's got disadvantage on its next attack, mm -hmm. and it still has to do a wisdom saving throw anyway. <laughs> Ansem in his military wisdom says, dodge while the thing's hanging onto your face. <laughs> That's going to work. <laughs> so dodging and intern. Sounds good. Datura, you look over and suddenly she's kind of moving around a little bit. <laughs> uh, okay. She's going to make sure, you know, Luna, tell me if anything moves. <laughs> In the cave, um, but she's yeah now just gonna total, try to totally focus because she missed the first time. Um, she's gonna try with her scimitar again. Eleven. Eleven is not going to hit this creature. Uh, right. <laughs> we got some dumpster rolls. Yeah, she'll ask. Um, I guess she'll ask Elias. You know, are you okay? I'll answer back. <laughs> 
And you can tell that there is a, a vein of distress. Hey, hey, there's, there's he. She's pointing at the thing. But does it sound pain or just distressed? Distressed <laughs> and in pain. Oh boy! I've lost roughly a half of my health in that one attack. Don't forget that you ha- you guys have spells, I'm sure, right? So nothing that's gonna help, Darren. Nothing mm-hmm. that's gonna. Help. Okay. Yeah. I've been no. looking. It's, it's, I just I just want to make sure that you remember because sometimes some some of my players forget that they even have spells because they're they're like more melee attack characters. Right. So. Yeah. No, I definitely appreciate that. I just don't think I've got anything that can help right now. Fair enough. <laughs> I may have needed to think this combat out a little more thoroughly. <laughs> Things went poorly. <laughs> the Grick is still uh, latched onto her face, so it's going to make another attack. It's got a wisdom saving throw that it has to do first, yes? Yep. The wisdom saving throw is a four. Only a four. So it fails the wisdom saving throw. So let me first roll its attack because it needs to do that. Because it fails this whole thing, it drops, you know, off of you. Yay! Yay. And it lunges about and leaps at Rodiger. Uh, and so now, Rodiger, it's going to make a uh, tentacle attack on you. Does Tristura uh, get a attack of opportunity with it moving out of my square? I'll say yes. I'm okay with that. Oh, 13. 13. And that, it like swings by and you're an inch from hitting this thing as it leaps away. Yeah. Um, okay. That yeah, is... Right. Grick's turn. Uh, Rodiger, you've just had this snake beaky tentacle <laughs> thing leap right at you, and it's only nine. Just misses. It comes down near your knee, and you move your knee out of the way, and it bites into the air next to you and just flops to the ground. Okay. Now that I can actually see it, is there a some sort of knowledge roll we could make to learn more about it? Do we recognize, and do any of us recognize this now that we've... <laughs> there you go. It's, it's now that its face is visible, having detached from allies. Yes. Let me have you roll Arcana. <laughs> All right. Here it comes. Get ready for the excitement. <laughs> that was a 14, a 20, a 3, a 14. Your arcane checks are on point today. That's, that's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of all things that can roll well, I mean. Is this bookworm we've got with us? Now that the thing's off your face and you have like this big chunk taken out of your cheek, bloody face, and you peer at it and you're like, oh no, and you recognize this as what we have all meta seen as a Grick. Uh, it is a creature that is basically, it doesn't take much damage uh, from any sort of attack unless it's magical attack. It is quite uh, quite resistant to things that are not magic. Um, they This is about the right size for one. They tend to either be rather solitary creatures, or if there is like an alpha around, uh, there might be more of them. But yeah, they uh, and those ones can get much larger than this. That's a Greg. Alrighty. You also know that they're very good at camouflaging in stone. You mean like in caves, maybe? Yeah, yeah, like in caves. Cool. The, there might be a, a mound that Luna saw that wasn't moving that uh, <clears throat> might be hard to notice. Uh, and then, Elias, what was your question about speed? Yep. Uh, so you know that just as they are about the same size as a person, they move about the same speed as a person, and they're really good at climbing also. Okay. Quick uh, technical question. Yes. I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but um, if I were to wild shape, that doesn't make me magical, right? I'm still like- Yeah, you're, your attacks would be not magical attacks unless you were a creature that yeah. had magic. Spoilers, eventually it will be magical. Oh, that's exciting. Something <laughs> to look forward to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what's going on that I've completely forgotten about? Sure. There are more of them? <laughs> Don't say it. Don't give them ideas. We're really, our hands are full here. Oh, the wizard. <laughs> and Ripshank, we have They were behind us. Oh, we have buddies. Is he blind? Yeah, what's happening there? Is he blind? Yeah, he's he's uh, he's missing an eye. Oh, I, I thought he had like a hurt eye. I didn't realize he was... No, full on. He's got a bandage completely over that side of his face. He's got no eye. Okay, that that's exciting. They were a little behind us. They were lollygagging. <laughs> They're like, what's going on? <laughs> they, they, this was all a surprise round for them. <laughs> exactly. So, David, it's it's your turn right now. Yeah, can I grab that creature, the head of that creature, and make it stop moving around? Ooh. Would you say you want to grab it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why not? Nice. Absolutely. So, you can roll contested roll. So, if you roll 
Athletics. Are you stronger? I'm stronger. <laughs> You're basically going to test your strength against the strength of this guy. And if you succeed, you will grapple the creature. And with a natural 20, you oh, grapple the creature. Hey. <laughs> this thing lunges out to you, and you just immediately, like, sidestep it, and then grab, like, you grab all its tentacles and wrap it around, so you, like, you've closed its mouth up on it. It's got it in a headlock. So, I think I'm done, no? I cannot do anything else. Okay. Now it is Kaelvin Munter's turn. Somebody gets to control Kaelvin Munter. Who wants to do that? If you'd like to be free of the overhead, I can put myself in his shoes. Sure, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I can take Ripchain because there's only one character we're fighting here, so I'll take one and you to take one. Okay. Do I have an idea of what kind of things he has at his disposal presently? He's got a quarter staff. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say he didn't sleep super great, but he did prepare Burning Hands, Shield, and we'll, we'll give him Firebolt. Okay. Uh, he, I, I think his go-to is just going to be to kind of pivot so he's got a decently clear shot. Okay. He would just take a Firebolt at the guy, so he'll take his attack roll with disadvantage? Yes, it's going to be with disadvantage. That is... Oh, that is a natural one, though. It was a 20 and a 1. Bloody hell. Okay, he misses. That's going to be his turn then. All right. Handsome? I am pissed, and I'm going to shoot the thing again and really hope that this works. Really quick, okay. we don't know anything about what this is, right? Just Elias? Elias does. I will have shouted what the turn relayed. The important details. You'll, you'll shout, it's it's a Grick, it's a Grick, and then those of you will know, I mean, you guys have heard of these things, you've never actually seen them, and you don't really know all the details of it being mm -hmm. impervious to this, but you do know a little bit about them, that they are difficult creatures to fight with. Elias mm -hmm. may have said, use magic or something. Alright, given it let, let's do this. Come on, baby. Come on. There it is. That's going to hit. Sharpshooter. Finally. All right. Golly. Uh, Whoa. Nice. 21. Holy smokes. But yeah, it's a D8 plus 13. Oof. Wow. So that is going to be 10 and a half points of damage to it. Finally. You fire this arrow at it. Rodiger's holding it, and he lifts it up. And just say so he lifts it up, you shoot it, this arrow just goes... Like straight through onto the other side. It's just flying out. So, uh, it just now has this hole through its body. Oh, that's it. <laughs> just a hole through the body. No big deal. Mm -hmm. yeah. NBD. Flash and you would hear it hissing in this high-pitched, screeping voice, except for it's like underneath the tentacles puff up a bit. Mm-hmm. But I pin-cushioned it <laughs> yep. as Rodiger holds it up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I'll do it. All right. Elias. Elias. All right, I'm going to cast X. We'll pop that to deck space, and then I will cast Eldritch Blast at it, which will break my sanctuary. Get it. Okay, so Eldritch Blast, that is an 11. The attack misses. So you fire this off. It hits the ground, you see the grass go up in smoke. In which case, I haven't dealt damage to it yet, so... It, it, it doesn't break the sanctuary spell. <laughs> Oh, if a warded creature makes an attack even though, so that does- Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, Sanctuary is now down. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> so, you didn't quite need it though. Okay, so Ripshank, he's gonna run up, I'll take control of him. I'm gonna say he's gonna go run up and make an attack at this thing. He feels like he is a bit indebted to you guys, so he's gonna make his attack. That is get going it, to be- Get it, little buddy. With a scimitar. Yeah, buddy! Nice! Oh, very Rip good. Shank? That is two points of damage to the creature. The grit takes two points of damage. So he comes right up, he's like, ah, he takes a scimitar and just boom. He jumps up into the air and then brings it down and, and it kind of knocks him back a little bit. It doesn't quite do as much damage as he's hoping, but he cuts it a little bit. And it's writhing around here. Uh, that's the end of its turn. Uh, it is now a Detura's turn. Okay, now, GM, based on what Elias yelled yes. and what I know Luna has told me, am I concerned about what's in the cave or would I have not be able to put that together? Because Isabel has put it together, but. <laughs> right, let me have you roll Arcana. Arcana or nature? Could it be nature maybe? With all of my animal knowledge? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the first time you've ever seen one of these guys. All right, all right, okay. Uh, so it's technically Arcana because, yeah, just the way that, ah, uh, yeah. Oh, Sorry. come on. A nope. four. Okay. Yeah, I said Arcana, so I gotta stick with it. Yeah. All right. Um, okay, so the answer to that question, no, I would not have put that together. I will give you a nature roll for a different aspect of it. Okay, come on, nature check. Nice, much better. 
So, I mean, from what you have heard about Grix, usually they travel alone. They're not hunters. They usually wait for things to come out and then they latch onto them like that. Okay. So they're not really hunters, but occasionally, yeah, if there is a large Grix, then there might be more of them. But so if there could be a larger one in the, in the cave, if that's what your character's wondering about. Yes. Natura knows that Luna saw something in the cave. She doesn't know what it is. Doesn't know if that's what it is, but I think she'll just generally shout, don't go near the cave. And then... Uh, seeing, you know, this is not better for me, but seeing uh, Ansem's success finally with uh, a bow, she'll pull out her short bow. This is not better, but I'm going to try it anyways. Uh, and she'll shoot at it with the short bow. Okay. Oh, nice. Natural 20. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's roll your damages. And four. Four. Wow. You rolled two ones and you got your plus two. Cool. Nice. No, weird. So it was technic it was actually sick. In theory. That's what I thought it might be. That's what I was thinking. I thought it was not two ones. Okay, three on one and a two. It looks extremely bad. Between that arrow going shooting through it and then this one shooting into it. Like you can feel, Rodiger, it's getting limp in your your grasp. It's not doing well at all. <laughs> this creature that is near death is going to try and break free of your grasp. Contested strength. Yeah. So that is going to be ten. So you have to beat a ten, Rodiger. You got this. You can choose athletics or acrobatics, but I feel like you want athletics. <laughs> nice. So you feel this thing kind of give its last effort and. It, it like moves its tentacles a bit and then just, you just pull down tighter. You just reach up higher onto it so it's got less movement. <laughs> All right, that's its turn. Uh, Rodiger, what are you doing? It's your turn now. I think I will go to the easy way and the smash from the ground. Like, <laughs> you, you're just gonna two-handed. Yeah, yeah, smash to the ground. Smash it on your <laughs> hammer that's right next to okay. you. <laughs> you're like, I know that that's harder than the ground that surrounds it. <laughs> Uh-huh. So let me just have you roll a 1d4 plus your strength. Oh, so it's an instant hit? Because a d4 is a damage roll on Are you having a yeah, hit? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just letting them roll an instant hit on this thing. I guess it's hard to miss the ground. Yeah. Six. Okay, that'll do it. How did you <laughs> kill this creature uh, with <laughs> with swinging it onto the ground? Uh, well, I... The creature head that I have grabbed, hit with the mall that it's in the ground, and smash <laughs> all of the brain and teeth and all of the things like that. Nice. You go down to the very end of the tentacles, you swing it around, and you bring it right down on its maul, and you, you brought just enough length on there. It hits the actual head part of the maul lying on the ground, and then you just see the rest of it just like. It gets all soft, and immediately you can feel that it's completely lost any sort of uh, strength left in this thing. Nice. <laughs> Hits the ground. The Grick is completely dead, and you are looking over the whole situation. Elias has a oh. big chunk missing out of her cheek. You know, you could almost like, and there's her tongue kind of a thing. Ugh. And you hear this <laughs> off to the right out there towards the cave. Yeah, Luna <laughs> Luna should alert me as soon as it moves. She's been staring at it the whole time. So I'm going to yell at the whole group. There's there's another one in the cave. Back away. It, it's huge. Uh, you see a small one come out and like comes out a little bit of the ways. And at the entrance, you see this much larger one start moving. That's nice. I'm going to grab our, our wizard friend by the arm and start pulling him back. Probably good thinking. Kilvin's like, this is a bad situation. We have to get out of here. Yeah, this could have. What are you guys doing? <laughs> Take the dash action. Yeah. So you guys all just, you just book it out of there, right? I'm going to head away from it directly, but still in the direction we want to go. Okay. You guys go booking it out into the woods. And for a little while, you can hear it's still kind of behind you. And you look back and you see it kind of come towards a little, you know, a, a good distance, probably about like 130 feet. It starts moving around. But then as it sees you guys keep running back, it just, they turn back around and go back towards their cave. And you guys are in the clear. Once we're clear, I'm going to have everybody, you know, find a, a small sheltered spot on the way. And I'm just going to take out my pack and start. Uh, I'm going to kind of RP prepare like a poultice of a kind from my good berries for Elias to uh, heal up with. 
if that makes sense. Uh-huh. It's silly if these only work to eat, in my mind. <laughs> like, eat these berries and your flesh regenerates, but uh-huh. I'm going to use my good berries, basically. And what? how many hit points was that? I lost seven. Okay, I'm going to give you seven of the 20 that I have, so I'm down to 13. I'm going to mark that in my inventory. And that heals uh, seven points? Yeah, one, one point per. Yep. Okay. Although I suppose before I do that, do we want to take a rest? <laughs> a short rest might be good uh, for me. Um, but I will also pull out a mirror to like help with applying uh, right. the salve, if you will. So I healed three. Okay. So I'm going to say four, four berries expended to make up the hit point difference. Ansem doesn't have anything to say as he, as he does this. It was kind of a grim encounter. He's just going about his work, making sure that mm-hmm. it works here. And Elias will say, next time, I'll let one of you look in the hole. <laughs> I think this would be wise. You see uh, Ripshanky come up and he looks like, even Goblin, though, don't look in the hole. <laughs> That's a creature's jump out. Could be Goblin. I'm translating for him. Could be Goblin. <laughs> Thanks, Ripshank. I say sarcastically. I don't know if my my grasp of Goblin is is quite nuanced enough to communicate sarcasm, but I'll indicate what I can. Dutour would ask uh, Ansem, do we know anything about what Ripshank likes? Likes? Yeah. What what kinds of things does he like? Oh, I will act as a translator (laughs) and ask him what kinds of things he enjoys. Ripshank like like fighting? Like eating? (laughs) Like climbing? (laughs) Ripshank like all things everything like. (laughs) I indicate. Uh, uh, Dutura will just pull, you know, a, a little bit of food out of her pack, just not like a full ration, but just a little bit of something, and, and give it to him. And then tell Ansem to say thank you, and then uh, and then she'll go over to um, Kelvin. Uh, Kelvin. Kelvin. Wow, I was off. Uh, Kelvin, and just make sure that he's okay uh, as well, because he's you know clearly exhausted. But and we just yeah. ran, so she'll go make sure he's okay. Mm-hmm. You look back and he's breathing pretty heavily. He is out of shape and, you know, he, when you ask him, he's like, no, he's, he's fine. I, I'm just very tired. I'm very tired. I've spent over a month inside a cell and now I'm running. I haven't barely stood and walked for months. So, <laughs> I'll be okay. I'll be alright. Thank you. And everybody else is okay. Yeah. No other, nobody else got a hit. <laughs> no, just Elias, huh? Just one really big one at the start. I'm going to suggest that we keep moving once once everyone seems like they've had a second. We're running north again? Yeah, I mean, we did chart a course that was generally in the direction that we wanted to go without putting us closer to danger, obviously. Yeah, so you probably already gotten like about a, a couple miles or whatever, and you can continue moving along your way uh, if you want to just keep yeah. heading north and keeping an eye out for yeah. everything. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. So uh, after a few hours of travel... How many is a few, Darren? At this point, you guys have hit a dense forest. Like, it, like it wasn't that far away from the brick area, right? Mm-hmm. You've come running up, and you are now you've in, you're in dense forest, and everything is a little bit harder to navigate. Like, it's pretty close together, so it slows you down. Uh, now, every every three miles is going to be about like two hours of travel. So you travel along for one and a half miles into this dense forest. Now you're in the dense forest, and another three miles into this dense forest so it's about another two more hours it's now about three o'clock in the afternoon and you come across this area that up ahead you can see a clearing inside this real dense forest you've been traveling around in it for a while uh, and you can see where it thins out up ahead Mm -hmm. Um, and as you start getting near there Calvin is looking around he's like yes I, I think this is the place they mentioned that it was going to be in a clearing in the forest I think that this is going to be it. Mm-hmm. We must be very, very near now. And um, you guys start walking along, and you can see... Let me have your roll perception. Wait for it. There it is. 12. Yeah, we got a 19 and 18, uh, Radiger and Datura. And you guys see up ahead that there are... It looks like there's some people sitting at the edge of the forest. And you see other people start moving around. Uh, and some you can see this as well. You see there's some... Uh, it looks like some of these these folk are, are wood elves, and then you also see some taller folk in more sort of formally attire, and they are moving about the area. And as you approach, you hear a voice from behind. Magis Munter, an invitation was sent for you alone, Lani, and yet you have brought a great many friends. 
that is where we're going to call it for today. Come back next time as Kaelvin Munter is reunited with an old friend. An old friend who does not take kindly to some within his fellowship. While some in the party will have to argue why they should be allowed to stay for the ceremony, others will have to argue why they should be allowed to live. Until then, this has been Legends of Kalidor, Tales from the Wildlands. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Listener reviews are the best way to get our podcast noticed and gain some traction. We've got a lot of big plans for the show, but we won't be able to do it without you, the supportive listener. So, subscribe, review, and share with your friends, and we'll see you next time on Legends of Kalidor, Tales from the Wildlands. <laughs>